DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. With Archbishop George Lucas, we continue our conversation on the Dogmatic Constitution on Divine Revelation, also known as Dei Verbum, which was promulgated by Pope Paul VI on the 18th of November, 1965, following approval by the assembled bishops by a vote of 2,344 to 6. The phrase Dei Verbum is Latin for Word of God and is taken from the first line of the document, as is customary for titles of major Catholic documents. An excerpt from the Dogmatic Constitution on Divine Revelation, Dei Verbum, paragraph 12. Since God speaks in sacred scripture through men in human fashion, the interpreter of sacred scripture, in order to see clearly what God wanted to communicate to us, should carefully investigate what meaning the sacred writers really intended and what God wanted to manifest by means of their words. To search out the intention of the sacred writers, attention should be given, among other things too, literary forms. For truth is set forth and expressed differently in texts which are variously historical, prophetic, poetic, or of other forms of discourse. The interpreter must investigate what meaning the sacred writer intended to express and actually expressed in particular circumstances by using contemporary literary forms in accordance with the situation of his own time and culture. For the correct understanding of what the sacred author wanted to assert, due attention must be paid to the customary and characteristic styles of feeling, speaking, and narrating which prevailed at the time of the sacred writer, and to the patterns men normally employed at that period in their everyday dealings with one another. But since Holy Scripture must be read and interpreted in the sacred spirit in which it was written, no less serious attention must be given to the content and unity of the whole of Scripture if the meaning of the sacred texts is to be correctly worked out. The living tradition of the whole Church must be taken into account along with the harmony which exists between elements of the faith. It is the task of exegetes to work according to these rules toward a better understanding and explanation of the meaning of sacred scripture, so that through preparatory study, the judgment of the church may mature. For all of what has been said about the way of interpreting scripture is subject finally to the judgment of the church, 
which carries out the divine commission and ministry of guarding and interpreting the Word of God. We now continue our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas. You can read the Gospel of Mark, you can read the Gospel of John. Oftentimes there are certain events may be described in different ways, and a study can help you to reconcile why the message of Matthew is, has a different tone than the message of Luke. But it doesn't change that that message is for you, and it's very specific from Christ to you and speaks to you. We always have to keep those things in harmony. If we approach the scripture only from a scientific point of view and we see the inconsistencies and we say, well, this we can explain this because this, this was the way they, this person wrote and this is that, and, and don't uh, accept the, uh, the beautiful truth, the eternal truth that, that is being revealed there, then it loses its power for, for me. It, it doesn't become something else other than divine revelation, but I'm, I'm just missing the point. You know, unfortunately, along with the, the very beautiful scripture studies that are available today and Bible reflection groups and, and so forth, there's also a strain kind of running through of, I'm afraid, being so matter-of-fact or scientific about looking at the scriptures that it ends up sounding like it's simply trying to debunk everything, make it sort of bland and, in a sense, at the end, not from God. So it's sad when when somebody comes to that spot, and those of us who, certainly the church is pastors, but others of, of us who have responsibility in the church for, for, uh, for teaching or instructing, especially the young people, we ourselves need to approach this from a profound place of humility and, and respect for the sacredness of it and invite others to experience that and, and sense that. It's not just any book, and it's not, these aren't just words on a page. It is the God's self Revelation in, in Jesus Christ in, in, this, in these various forms and formats in our language, in our way of expressing things. I, I mean, how else could be a gift to us unless we could understand it in our language and our culture? This is going to seem like an odd question, I, I suppose, for you. And, but I can't help but wonder, for you, when you were a young man and, and studying for the, the priesthood and you're encounter with the Word in studying Scripture and how you looked at it and received it, does it change? Yes and no. I, I mean, I, I was blessed, I have to say, when I was in the seminary to have excellent Scripture courses. And they that was a, a big help to me, not only in my in learning, you know, in sort of the academic preparation for the priesthood, but it was really very helpful in my own spiritual life and, and growth. Those things need to be connected. And so if it's not taught or experienced in a way that's that where you can take it personally, again, not just my own idea of what it is, but allow myself to be drawn into it and to be, be formed by it. That was a big step in a good direction for me. And I would say I've, I've continued on that direction. I don't remember all the things I was taught exactly, you know, in, in an academic sense. But since then, really kept the scriptures at the center of my life. And of course, as a priest and bishop and as a preacher, you're praying with the scriptures always and uh, in lots of other ways too, but particularly, in, you know, in, in, in preparing to um, preparing to preach. So I, I can say with confidence, surely that my understanding has grown, my appreciation has grown. I, I say very humbly because it's all God's grace that my relationship with the Lord has deepened, and a significant part of that has been through praying with and, and reflecting on on the scriptures, studying them still, and and preaching them. I have to recall that 
It is the dogmatic constitution on divine revelation. And I, I say this in all reverence and love. I, I truly is. But it's not just about the Bible. It's about, as you, we keep referring to it, as the sacred scriptures. And you hear that divine revelation that through the sacred scriptures, all the time through our Eucharistic celebration, through our experience of the sacraments. I mean, it's a, it's a living revelation. We, and we've said that before, too. But we experience, don't we? the opportunities to encounter it in our life of faith. Yeah, and as you said before, the Catechism points out these different senses of Scripture. So some of it is it teaches me how to live. Some aspect of it helps us understand together that we're on our way. As we talked earlier in, in the series, we're a pilgrim people, you know, and that we're being drawn along the, the path of salvation, to ultimately to see the Lord face to face at the end of our lives or when he comes again. So th- there's these various senses that we have come to understand in in the church, all of them uh, true and good, no one of them capturing the whole, the whole understanding or the whole sense of, sense of Scripture. So we, we have that rich understanding and appreciation in our... And it's expressed, even though not everybody would be able to name those four senses of Scripture. They're kind of tongue twisters, as you said. But, uh, but we experience it. So we experience the Scriptures in our worship at, at Mass, for example, or when the other sacraments are celebrated. We can experience it in, in learning and in, in being taught or studying the, the scriptures. We can pray them as a group. We can pray them individually. You mentioned Lexio Divina. That's become, uh, it's a very uh, traditional, ancient way of praying with the scriptures, but that's, it's, there's a revival of that these days, happily, where we're able to pray slowly, reflectively through the, the verses of a passage of, of scripture and allow the Lord to show us something. We hear something, reflect on something, that is in harmony with the, the truth that, that's being taught, but is also very personal and inspiring, consoling, what, you know, whatever the gift it is that the Lord wants us to, to experience. Yeah, that living engagement really comes clear, especially when times when we suffer. I think of when a loved one is ill or, God forbid, someone we love so dear has, has passed and there's such a, a pain. How often do we turn to that relationship that's given to us in that divine revelation through the Psalms. Even if we're not conscious of the question, we ask, what does this mean? Or what, is it, what do I do? In times of difficulty, though, we, we ask whether we're asking the question consciously, what, what does this mean? What do I do? And, and um, so we, we turn, turn to the scriptures, or, or maybe someone will turn to them for us, you know, and, and pray, pray the scriptures with us. The Psalms in particular bring, I think, great consolation. And, and, but why wouldn't it? it? God knows so much more about us than we know about ourselves. And now through the, the incarnation and the Paschal mystery, we, we know that Jesus, Son of God, has immersed himself in our human condition. These experiences of ours are not confusing to God, and they're not off-putting uh, to God. And so we, there are other things that are open to us too, the sacraments and other, other forms of prayer. But, but to turn, turn to the scriptures as we are trying to understand the meaning of our lives and, and where we're being led. And there's always the sense of the whatever the, the circumstances, God's offering us something, asking something of us, maybe a, a response, of maybe to do something, but more often just a, a response of trust or of, of openness. And the scriptures and our own prayer can bring us along the path of understanding a place of deeper trust in, in God's loving plan for us, which is revealed there. Uh, We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. 
Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. The Creed I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. The times where I've had the opportunity, the blessed opportunity, to be at synods in Rome when the Vatican offices would open up. And the term that I would hear often is dialogue. 
that it's important to have dialogue not only between members of the church, but also with those of non-Christian churches. And so often when we look at the divine revelation, we find that there are those religions that use what we would consider portions of the, of the, the fullness of divine revelation in their sacred words. And that's important for us to, to be aware of and to take in, isn't it? We know that God reveals himself in, in the scriptures, but God isn't bound by that. So God can reveal his truth in, in other ways and, and does. We, we think first, of course, of the Jewish people who, who, with whom we share what we call the, the Old Testament, but that's all true. It's, it's God's true revelation. And we, of course, have some different understandings, significant ones, but also some important ways that we, that we share that. And, and we think this, these were the scriptures that Jesus himself knew, particularly as we listen to the words of the prophets or pray the Psalms. We know that. Jesus, the Holy Family, you know, the, the, the apostles would have known these scriptures and, and prayed them uh, too. So we certainly have uh, tons in common there. But there are uh, other, other faiths, whether they have, uh, you know, whether they've ex- excerpted parts of our scriptures or have some similar uh, teachings. Um, because even though the scriptures uh, are divinely inspired, they're not incredible. And, and they're, they're not out of sync with human nature and with the world around us and so forth. There's a, there's a wisdom that God has instilled in the created world that wise and prayerful people can see and bring out and articulate it in other ways. And it, it harmonizes in some aspects you know, with, with what we believe in and understand. The important distinction, of course, is that Jesus Christ isn't at the heart of it and is a key that sort of opens it up for, for them as he does for us. You know, not only is it a gift to us to enrich our faith, continue that relationship and dialogue, it also is an incredible means of evangelization. It is what is to be passed on and to, to be shared with others. And, you know, I'm thinking of a very, very public, very wonderful man we both know, Dr. Scott Hahn, who through his experience of the scriptures and the study could not help but be led into the the truth found in the Catholic Church and that the scriptures came alive, again, through the sacramental experience. The reason I bring that up is that you can see that this is such an organic, living expression, experience. It's not supposed to be just a book at the bookstore. It, exactly. um, and God was revealing himself to Dr. Hahn, and he was open to it. And took the time and had the ability to pursue the pathways of of truth that are that are found in Scripture, and and it led him to to a very beautiful place. So yeah, it's it's true. It's not um, as you said before. It's not it's not just dead. It's not just words on a page. Is we we meet a living person, Jesus Christ. There we may be conscious of who he is and of his presence there, or, or we may not be, but he's there. In any case, and so anyone who's pursuing the truth in, in humility is likely to encounter Jesus. I shouldn't say likely because maybe he's not there sometimes. He's, he's always there, but maybe the, the person is able to under, comprehend that or, or maybe not. But we believe that, again, that kind of where we started, God's not hiding. He, he's not trying to be obscure. He's bigger, more complex, more powerful, more loving than we can understand. We can't understand and articulate that all. But he does want to be known. And his power to make himself known is often more than we can resist if we're really looking for the truth. We can 
consciously reject it. If we want to, we have that freedom, sadly. And I shouldn't say sadly we have freedom. That, that's the gift, but we can misuse it, sadly, in that way uh, to encounter the truth and, and reject it. But anyone who desires to know what's true and, and good and is genuinely open in a healthy way to, to, to find that will likely encounter Jesus in, in the scriptures over time. I guess the reason I had brought that up as an example is that the scriptures will always lead us to Christ. And for Catholics, for the Catholic Church, we experience and we receive him in a very special way in that the sacraments. And that is the clarion call for us to want to invite others to be more than just you know, like when we get into scripture studies with people that may not be Catholic, our hope and our desire is that they will see and to experience somehow and how we've learned the, the scriptures and experience that, that they will be brought and would desire to want to experience that fullness of truth mm-hmm. in the sacraments. Uh, so uh, Catholics are Bible Christians, mm-hmm. but we're more than that. So we don't reject scriptures in this document. Uh, points that out that and we, ex- we experience it in a, a beautiful sort of practical way in the mass because we, we take a great deal of time while while we're there to listen to the scriptures and they're opened up for us in preaching and the church sees as as an encounter with with the living lord then that encounter you might say is consummated or is brought to its fulfillment in the in the celebration of the eucharist and then in our ability to receive the lord in in communion that god's gift to us that's uh, that's the, the most intimate encounter possible. So it, it's all, Jesus is one. <laughs> he has his integrity, so it's not one Jesus in the Bible and one Jesus in communion. But it's um, we, we experience him on a continuum, you might say, which is deep and powerful in our Catholic faith in a way that having a faith that where we encounter Jesus only in the Bible, it, it's beyond that. It, it's, it's something, again, much, much richer. So we don't at all look down on Anyone who loves the Bible and comes to know Jesus in the scriptures, and as you say, it can be a point of, of evangelization and invitation to come to experience that same Jesus in an even more uh, profound way. It's a responsibility on us, too, you know, who have this more profound experience of the Lord in, in the sacraments, in the Eucharist particularly, to live like we do. You know, if we're going to say to somebody else, well, there's even more. Well, if it doesn't look like there's any more, then it makes any difference. Or even that we don't take the scriptures seriously to start with, then our evangelization it becomes ineffective. What I hear you saying, it's more than just the study. You have to not only study, but you have to live it. Well, sure. <laughs> you say sure, but it, you know, in today's world, I, I'm wondering. I have to always gut check myself. Am I? And do I have integrity? Am I am who I appear to be, or I say that I am? Yeah. So this was, uh, was Jesus' problem with the Pharisees <laughs> and the, the challenge to them. That's always the, the challenge in every age. You know, we can quote scripture or quote, you know, quote other teachings of the church, other doctrines or moral precepts or, or something. Fine, we should hold to those. But if we don't really, if we don't live them ourselves, but see those simply as burdens to place on the shoulders of other people, then... We're not really living the faith ourselves, and it's certainly not going to be attractive to anybody else. Archbishop Luke, this has been wonderful. Any final thoughts on the Constitution on Divine Revelation? Yeah, well, I I have a lot more thoughts, actually. But but just to to end with, for all of us to reflect on the great gift that uh, we have in 
in the sacred scriptures and in the, in the living tradition in our church that keeps the scriptures alive and, and fresh and powerful for us in every time and place so that we can have confidence in, in our Catholic faith that we're, we really are in touch with God's revelation. And it's not our imagination and it's not something we're making up or adapting for our own time in some way that, that's, not, that's not true. So there's a great harmony there, scripture and, and tradition, all part of, of how we encounter what, what God wants us to know about his loving plan for us. So um, pick up your Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to help you receive what's being offered there, and then start. You start with the Gospels. Those are, are somewhat familiar to us anyway. And, and I would just encourage anyone who's listening to, to think about making a few verses of scripture part of daily prayer. See what happens. Something good's going to happen, I think. You're going to encounter the, the living Jesus and find light for the, the, the path that, that we're traveling together in this pilgrim people that we belong to. Thank you so much, Archbishop. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.